This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig on Moose FM. Good morning and welcome to the show. Later on today, we're going to be catching up with Fort St. John Huskies Hockey Club head coach Todd Alexander. The team held their uh, ID camp a couple of weeks back and they're hitting the road for a trio of exhibition games this weekend before the, uh, the full season starts the following weekend. But first, the B.C. legislature will be opening for business for MLAs to debate the government's business in early October. To talk a bit about the upcoming session and what he expects from it, we're joined now by Peace River North MLA, Dan Davies. Good morning, Dan. Welcome back to Moose Talks. Yeah, thanks. Good morning, Doug. Oh, I'm sorry. I've got to... Yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> I think you're good now. <laughs> And good morning, Dub. There it is. <laughs> Thanks for having me and not muting me. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back to the show. Before we get to the government and all that, yeah. uh, I just wanted to quickly talk about uh, the Northeast Immigrant Services Society because yeah. I had a representative on. I'm blanking on her name right now. I apologize. Mila? I may. Uh, no, it was, there was somebody else okay. who was involved. Anyway, they're on a couple of weeks ago to kind of talk about what they're yeah. uh, up to and whatnot. And mm-hmm. apparently you were kind of heavily involved in making it happen and kind of creating it, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, this goes back to almost a year ago now or, or nine or ten months ago when uh, we, we first started hearing about the challenges of a number of Ukraine families displaced from the uh, conflict in the Ukraine that mm-hmm. were arriving in Fort St. John. And you can imagine if you were a family of 11, uh, this is just one example, uh, arriving at the 14 John Airport at 10 o'clock at night, not speaking English, and thinking, where am I? Uh, what do and, I do? What do I do? And mm-hmm. <clears throat> there, there was no supports. Uh, there was no, nothing was arranged for this family that had arrived. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, you know, someone saw, you know, the emotion, the, the, the fright, the scary look in their faces that, you know, finally, are you okay? Do you need help? And, you know, that, that you know, progress to, you know, someone getting a phone call in the community, getting arrangements, a hotel, uh, you know, home to suites, donating, uh, you know, a room. And, and, and this played out over and over again by mm-hmm. multiple families arriving. And we have more than 50 families that, is, that have arrived since the conflict began, you know, which, you know, you're looking at 200 people yeah. that are up here in the region. So we, we looked at the school district who, who actually initially brought this forward and said, there's a problem. Like there, there's, you know, I, I wish it was only a little gap, but I mean, you know, it's a, it's a mountain crevice that, uh, you know, it, it is lacking in services. So we, we had a meeting at my office, uh, brought together multiple uh, organizations in the community to talk about, you know, hey, what, because you know, there were some doing little things, but yeah. nobody was coordinated. So um, the discussion was to bring together and create a, uh, a, an organization uh, led by the uh, displaced Ukrainians. Ludmila is the, uh, uh, the president. And uh, to to help and you know coordinate services uh, here in Fort Saint John have a have a point of contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the first things we did was put a sign up at the airport, and the airport uh, you know graciously allowed us to hang a sign there um, that that is in Ukraine, <clears throat> so folks at least know okay hey you know there, there's something here uh, yeah. services contact and so on and so forth. So now we're just looking at funding um, the organization. We actually uh, uh, we're hoping to. Um, have a grant here uh, shortly where we need about 30,000 more dollars. So any listeners out there that uh, 
know of any uh, corporations that might be willing to donate. This is an economic uh, boost for our economy. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that's how we look at it, too. I mean, you know, these aren't just random people. I mean, the, there's people in healthcare uh, backgrounds. There's class one truck drivers. There's welders. There's pipe fitters, electricians. So these are people that we are currently looking for mm-hmm. up in this area. And um, we've already heard a number of them have moved to Edmonton and other areas uh, because it's just easier to uh, to integrate into the communities and find work. Um, but, you know, we, we need to have them stay here, but we need the services and support, especially the language training, which we're trying to find right now uh, to help them. So uh, we're hoping that this society will, will take off. We'll get the funding we need and, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, uh, help these folks out. Mm-hmm. Well, you bring something up uh, interesting <clears throat> that uh, I didn't think to ask when uh, the, the representative was here. People come, they, they, as you say, pipe fitters, they're nurses, they're whatnot. Has there been challenges in... You know, first of all, as you say, language, there's a language mm-hmm. barrier, but, but getting certified so that they can do the job here, you know, like you, you have to be able to prove you can do the job. Yeah. You have to have your ticket if you're a pipe fitter <clears throat> or whatnot. Has that been part of a challenge that you're trying to look into? How can we make this easier, maybe faster to get these people here earning income so that they can be self-sustaining when they do come to Fort St. John. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And probably that's one of the biggest challenges we're, we're facing. And that's one of the things we're hoping this organization will be able to assist with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for instance, uh, there's a number of uh, class one truck drivers uh, that, uh, you know, that are here and wanting to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> however, uh, ICBC uh, wants them, regardless of their experience, they want them to uh, do the whole training program, which costs upwards of fifteen, fifteen yeah. to seventeen thousand wow. dollars now, um, under under all the new uh, regulations and such. Uh, other jurisdictions, though, in in Canada, have waived that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can prove that you have, you know, the experience, the time, um, you know, and, and and the documentation, you you can waive that. Uh, so we're working right now trying to, you know, get the provincial government here in BC to to recognize that other provinces are doing it. It's not that, you know, l- let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, let's let's do this and get them working. Um, other things is a lot of these organizations, you know, the certification, whether it's a driver's license or, or a ticket. Well, we need recent documentation from the Ukraine. Well, they're in a war-torn country. And it's not as easy as just, you know, picking up the phone and calling, you know, the DMV and saying, I need a... You know, and up to the DMV might not be standing in their community. So mm-hmm. there, there's huge challenges, and we, we need to be looking at ways uh, to, to work around, uh, you know, some of these challenges that they're facing. And that's, again, what we're hoping that, uh, that this society will do. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, well, we'll definitely be keeping oh, an sure. eye on that society <clears throat> as we go. Um, let's talk a bit about this session to come. Uh, yeah. It's been a busy summer for the government. Wildfires top of the mm-hmm. mind because of droughts and dry conditions, severe drought in the northeast BC. Farmers don't have enough hay and feed for their animals to go through the dinner. Like it's it's all connected and it's been busy and whatnot. Do you expect this to be top of mind for the government? And if not, <clears throat> is this top of mind for the opposition to say we have to start working on some of these things and helping out the people who have been devastated by these situations arriving here, but also really province-wide. Yeah, you know, it, it has been a, uh, an incredibly challenging summer uh, for, for a number of people across the province and, and of course, up here in the Peace region. Uh, farmers definitely, um, you know, specifically cattle, uh, really face significant challenges. 
Um, and, you know, this is going to be, I, I, we're not sure what the government's going to be. You know, we, we don't see that until it's usually read off uh, on, yeah. on the floor of the legislature. Uh, but we will be bringing forward issues that have arisen this summer, uh, certainly around supporting agriculture. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, government talks the talk around food security all the time, but we're not seeing the support to support our farmers. And without our farmers, we don't eat. Uh, we don't eat in this region, the province or across the country. And we need to be making sure that, uh, farmers are supported and you know they're it, it's and, and it's not just supporting farmers today because what's happening today is going to have long-term effects you know are, are the kids going to want to be able to are they going to be able to continue on with farming or ranching mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and that's what worries me if if we don't have you know that that future of farmers coming into it well we're in big trouble and when when you're looking at <clears throat> because of the hay shortage definitely uh you know families selling off a, a you know, big chunk or the majority of, of their herds, uh, that put, puts them back decades mm-hmm. and, and puts at jeopardy the whole, you know, th- that whole industry. Mm-hmm. So, so we need to be looking at, uh, the government needs to be looking at supporting farmers and coming up with some really, you know, some very tangible solutions that's going to keep farmers farming, you know, mm-hmm. not just today, but into the future. Um, has there been discussion? I, I don't know how active you, you know, the opposition's been in the summer, but what that, what that suggestion's going to look like when, you know, your leader, Kevin Falcon, stands up and says, this is what we need to be doing. It, is, that, is that something you've announced yet and said, this is what we want the government to do? This is what we well, expect them to uh, do? I, I think what we need to be doing is, is talking to farmers, yeah. you know, talking to the folks that are impacted. Uh, you know, what does that look like? You know, if they're going to be selling their herds off at, you know, at, at prices this year, how do we support them next year? to buy back or to get back into, into this as, you know, running this massive deficit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do we look at, uh, you know, working to improve agri-stability, you know, the insurance uh, programs out there so that there is some um, <clears throat> assurances. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- those are things that we need to be looking at. Uh, and we should be looking at anyways, you know, to, to, you know, we've heard lots of issues around the insurance uh, piece, you know, whether it's, a, it's cattle or grain. Uh, you know, lots of challenges that, uh, you know, we, we just need to look at doing things better and, um, you know, bringing together the people that are experiencing it, bringing, you know, the, the professionals, uh, the farmers, and talking about how can we improve agriculture in British Columbia. That's what we need to be doing, and that's what we're going to be looking at doing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I want to make sure we talk a bit about health care, mm-hmm. because, of course, it's always <laughs> top of mind uh, yeah. everywhere in the <clears throat> province. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, I, I know you've said and, and reminded me that the, the government still hasn't lifted the mandate yeah, that just, requires vaccinations for health care workers in this province when everyone else has at this point. I mean, I guess you'll keep hammering away on yeah. the government to do that because that's a pool of workers <clears throat> that 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 could go to work tomorrow, absolutely. essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, now uh, British Columbia is the last jurisdiction. Uh, I can certainly say on the continent. I, I'm not sure the rest of the world, but I'm pretty sure yeah. we're an outlier that still has a vac- uh, vaccination policy in place for uh, healthcare workers. And it, it, we've been calling on, we've actually started calling on the government uh, last summer yeah. to lift the mandates uh, right after, you know, the federal government did and, and most provinces did, but BC is still that outlier. And, and Adrian Dix is still even just <clears throat> as recently as uh, early this week saying, no, we have no intentions on doing this because, you know, Dr. Henry said, well, I, I don't know what makes us so special and have different science than the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it makes no sense. When we have uh, an unbelievable shortage of, of healthcare professionals, nurses especially, there's 2,000 uh, across the province, 4,000 healthcare workers sitting on the sidelines uh, uh, hoping to go back to work, yet they're, they're not able to. 
Mm-hmm. And if we want to look at a way to improve things right now, well, we best be looking at um, that as a really quick fix. Is it's not going to solve everything because I mean we're we're massively short, uh, you know, uh, healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we need to be looking at ways that we can. <clears throat> Uh, build health care and vaccines is an easy one. Uh, you know, we've called on, on the government to repeal Bill 36 or to review Bill 36. We've called a few times now to bring it back in the legislature. Um, you know, there's there's huge uh, issues with that bill that was passed uh, last fall um, that we need to be looking at uh, 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 fixing. And, and right now the government, uh, you know, that, that whole definition of insanity, right? It's just we're, we're doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, we need to flip it on its head. Mm-hmm. and do things differently to get better results. And the government isn't doing that right now. Yeah. All right. Well, got about a minute left, Dan, so I'll, I'll cap it on I've one. I've got of, 10 minutes of stuff I know. to say, <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk a bit about Parker Johnson. Um, yeah, yeah. We put a great, story great up on, kid. yeah, and on Energetic City about this uh, a couple of days ago, you gave uh, him an award for bravery. Yeah. Uh, t- tell us a bit about that uh, experience and meeting Parker and, and hearing about kind of what happened that yeah. kind of led to him. Well, what, what, a, what a good kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even just talking to him uh, restores faith in society. Let's put it that way. Uh, but, you know, he, he you know, uh, there was a, a fire out uh, at, at his home. And, um, you know, he was the one that uh, that came downstairs. Uh, I, I think it was just as a window went out. And, uh, you know, his mom was still sleeping. It was hot. So the fan was on, didn't hear anything. Yeah. Uh, until Parker ran up and, and woke up the rest of the family. And, and just in time. Uh, you know, the house, uh, it didn't take long for the house to go up and <clears throat> uh, absolutely Parker saved the lives of his family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, just hearing the story was chilling, actually. I mean, it was a pretty scary, pretty scary event and um, definitely worth uh, giving Parker uh, the recognition that, uh, you know, that, that he deserves. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And like you say, it, good, good kid. Yeah. Was that like something you had heard the story and you said we got to recognize Absolutely. Him yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, heard it heard it a number of times from different people. I actually I even think uh, uh Moose uh, did a story on it as well. So mm-hmm. um but but I think it's, you know, I think it's important to have, you know, the the local representative as well uh, recognize, you know, that uh, that act of bravery and um, you know, recognize our, our young people. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dan. Well, we're gonna have to leave it there. I'm sure you'll be back in a couple months and next we'll Friday. talk more <laughs> <laughs> about what's happening with the uh, next legislature of the BC uh, legislature. Thanks yeah. for being here, Dan. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you're, it. You're very welcome. That's uh, Dan Davies, the MLA for Peace River North. We'll be right back to talk to uh, Todd Alexander of the Huskies right after this on Moose Talks. Welcome back to the show. Well, the Fort St. John Huskies had their ID camp uh, just the, I guess, two weeks ago or something now, and they're about to head out on the road for three exhibition games this weekend before the uh, season starts next week. So let's talk a bit about that coming up. We're uh, here with head coach of the Fort St. John Huskies Hockey Club, Todd Alexander. Welcome back to Moose Talks, sir. Awesome. Glad to be here. Good to see you again, Dub. Yeah, absolutely. Um... So let's first of all talk a bit about the ID camp. I think uh, you had told uh, Jordan Prentice, our sports reporter at energeticcity.ca, that you had a really good turnout and you you saw lots of guys who were really hoping to make the cut, eh? Yeah, absolutely. There's a pretty good crop of young guys right now. Yeah. Um, we, we did release a couple older players that have been on the roster before already. 
and then there's some other guys that are pushing for some spots there too so it's uh you know every year it seems to just get a little bit tougher to make this club and that's where we want to be i know it's unfortunate that uh, we can't pack everybody and mm-hmm. you know feelings get hurt when i gotta release someone that's been around for a while but you know at the end of the day we're, we're trying our best to make competitive decisions so that we're as competitive as we can be yeah and i know like you still have a round of cuts you'll make after this weekend i suppose um, yeah. b- but it, it's looking like this team will be probably a healthy mix of vets and new players likely, eh? Absolutely, yeah. No, especially like we just touched with the, some of the young guys that are coming in. We've got a pretty good crop right now. So, you know, if they're doing uh, equal or better than uh, someone that's been on the roster before, well, you know, that's that's just the way that it, that things go when you, when you live in a competitive world. And that's the biggest thing that we try to teach our players. We don't find that they get enough of that when they come from society, from school. You know, it's a little bit different on how they uh, teach the kids. And, you know, a lot of the a lot of the uh, youth sports and stuff out there now today are also, um, you know, non, non-competitive where everybody wins, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, we've trained up a whole generation of kids that uh, show up and they think that just because they showed up, they checked the box and they're good to go. But really, you got to show up and be competitive now, too. So, um, you know, that's what we want to teach. And when our guys leave our program, we feel that they're better suited for uh, whatever road that they get into because uh, they understand what it's what it's like to be competitive. Because mm-hmm. anybody can work hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I can come in here today and, you know, get some of your people to work hard in here. But that's not them coming in and being competitive. There's a big difference, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about Curtis Lee. He's the new captain after Caden Burnett yeah. has uh, moved on. Um, you obviously knew Caden wasn't going to be here, uh, you know, this season, yep. but you know, did you already have it in mind that maybe Curtis was going to be the guy even last year when you're thinking, looking ahead yeah. to this year or, or was this like, no, you know what? Maybe, he showed you something maybe yeah. suddenly that that made you change your mind about him you know honestly i mean yeah uh caden did a phenomenal job for us he uh carried this club through some pretty tough uh times uh, i mean obviously for everybody but uh you know kurt's been there with him uh grooming along the way he's been wearing an a for the last couple of years as well and mm-hmm. it was a real easy decision for us a lot of our players flocked him uh naturally um He's not a cocky individual. He's a confident individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets the job done uh, away from the ice and makes sure the guys are, uh, you know, behaving for the most part. And uh, when we're on ice, yeah, he's our best practice player that we have. So, okay. you know, when, you know, your top guy's at and your captain's at, then there's not really a lot of excuses for the other guys to show up and, you know, take a night off when they see Kurt out there grinding away and doing his thing and, and giving what he has that day. So it's... Uh, it's been an easy transition, uh, one of the easier transitions uh, from losing the captain because it can be uh, difficult sometimes. But we did give him heads up, you know, about two months after the season, so that he can get his head wrapped around it uh, throughout the summer on how he wanted to handle things and conduct mm-hmm. himself and the ideas that he had. And you know, we'll uh, after this weekend, we'll also probably name our assistant captains too. And he, you know, he's a part of that as well because we need to know what guys he thinks that that'll be able to support him too and we try our best to uh pick different kind of guys so that we don't have all the same personality doing the, yeah. doing the same things too and then you know different ages as well so that we can get to the roster and and touch with everybody and everybody feels comfortable going to somebody so yeah really looking forward to him uh you know being our captain and and also i think he's really looking forward to the challenge as well he's just that type of kid mm-hmm. do you uh do you think he he is or is going to be a guy who 
uh, speaks a lot, has has kind of the big speech in the locker room, or is he more like just just watch what I do, fellas, and 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 does yeah. it? Yeah, he's he's definitely like a, a watch what I do guy. Yeah, um, but he, he he's not shy by any means. He's a very intelligent individual, and so when he does talk, uh, it does carry a lot of weight. Uh, he, he is not a rah-rah guy. He's, mm-hmm. you know, like, hey, let's get our stuff together here. And and then he's the first guy that goes out and, you know, actually does what we were talking about in the dressing room and then tries to tow the rope that way. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's look ahead on these uh, three exhibition games. Uh, Sexsmith tonight, then a pair of games against the Kodiaks in Tumbler Ridge, I guess, over the, the Saturday and Sunday. Um, what are you and the coaches looking for in, in these games from the players and even some players that maybe – whether they know it or not, are sort of on the bubble as to, I don't know which way we're going to go with you. What yeah. What are you expecting from everybody to show you in these three games? Well, I, I know everybody's going to have energy because that's, yeah, it's pretty easy to have energy for something that, you know, is in a short window. And, yeah. you know, some of these guys are not looking too far ahead. They're just trying to make a hockey club. So we should see good energy. I know it's going to be sloppy because we haven't really gone over a whole bunch of stuff as far as systematical play goes. Yeah. And we haven't had enough reps as a group. But, you know, we've touched on a few things that are important that are sort of, um, you know, the the standard of how we play. And so we want to see our guys that are not accustomed to that at least attempt it or go out and mess the things up that we've been um, trying to teach them in the last two weeks here. We've had six practices now, so... Uh, with, with the group that's going to play this weekend. So there are some things there that uh, we, we definitely know that the players uh, can accomplish and should accomplish out in the ice, and we're kind of evaluating their IQ and whether or not they can go out and do that. And, again, it's to us it doesn't matter if, um, you know, if they go out and, and they mess it up. It's I just I want to see it. I want, mm-hmm. you know, if they go mess it up, then now we could teach and learn and, and, and get better at it. But if they're out there doing their own thing and not trying to accomplish some of the stuff that we've been after in the week that they're not used to, then, you know, that does show a, a little lack of IQ. And, you know, we're, we're looking for guys that, that can pick that up and, and make changes and, and move along, communicate a certain way. So uh, it's super exciting uh, to, to get back into the game this weekend. But, uh, yeah, it's about split roster, you mm-hmm. know, uh, half, half uh, players that have never played here before. Uh, with us and uh, about uh, half of our uh, returning lineup, and it'll kind of be that, that for the next three games. So the the younger players will definitely get a few more uh, minutes out there than uh, some of the older guys. But you know, uh, overall, I, we're, we're pretty happy with uh, with what we've got. But we do have some some pretty key battles that we'll be watching. Uh, you know, specifically defense this weekend. We still got uh, eleven defensemen. We got trimmed down to eight. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some forwards coming back, so we really want to evaluate some of those forwards before uh, some of these other guys get back to town from you know the higher up leagues that they're at. So there's always a, a bleed down process as we go along here because everybody else is having camp and stuff. So it'll take a while for the the final roster to to take shape, but I would say the building blocks are there, and we're pretty happy with what we have uh, at this point in time. Yeah. And I know you're you're gonna not like this question, but <laughs> I mean, uh, four league championships in a row, I believe it is. You were provincial champions the season before last. Uh, I mean, this year, it did, I know you you like to kind of focus on the immediate and just do what you do. You still eyeing on provin- uh, championship, go back to provincials, maybe win again. Is that is that always kind yeah. of on the horizon for you that's, guys? I mean, definitely. Like that's uh, that's where our mindset is every year. Um, you know, we, we we talk about it, the boys, that's their goal. Uh, obviously, the coaching staff um, uh, isn't always concerned on whether we win or not. We want to make sure that we develop and move guys on to college. And 
also move guys on into the workforce that mm-hmm. uh, get out there and then really do a good job and advance themselves as well you know those are the wins that uh, that I look for but you know to to make sure that the the group um stays uh focused and, and on task uh, then yeah they set goals and one of the goals is definitely to to make it all the way back to provincials and see if we can get a good crack again so um but there's uh, a lot of a lot of steps that go along the way that we to we need to take care of but yeah you, you want you want to have those goals for sure mm-hmm. all right todd well i appreciate you coming in today and we'll have uh, many conversations as the season goes on thanks awesome. for being here again sir yeah thanks for having me buddy I always enjoy hanging out with you so it's good <laughs> awesome that's uh todd alexander the head coach of the uh, fort st john huskies hockey club our thanks to our guests dan davies and todd alexander for joining us now i don't know if i could say this for sure but todd did just tell me they're selling a lot of season tickets for the huskies this season so if you're thinking about getting some i would get in contact with them very quickly now if you also want to make sure to stay up to date every morning with local news delivered straight to your inbox you should sign up for the energeticcity.ca newsletter right now over at energeticcity.ca slash newsletters you can keep up to date on municipal government politics as well with the local uh, peace politics newsletter and we have an events newsletter as well that uh, we started with summer and is going to continue out throughout the fall as there's always something cool going on in the Energetic City. So you can sign up for any or all of those newsletters now at energeticcity.ca slash newsletters. That's our show. Jordan Prentice and Trey Lopashinsky are the producers of Moose Talks. I'm Dub Craig. Be well. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.